I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. As ever, your host, Matt Dixon. And this week, we welcome back a guest. Now, some of you guys might have listened to episode one with our guest today. And if you did, I know that you'll remember it because it was one of those episodes that shook you to the bone. But it also inspired you with a great perspective of how we should all go about leading our life towards performance. Let me start how I started the last episode when we had our guest today, Last Tandrip, join us. Have you ever pondered on losing everything? I mean completely everything. Going through an experience that leaves you on the edge of life and you barely emerge out of it. You have no possessions and you are stripped, quite literally, down to your pajamas. Oh, by the way, those pajamas are on fire. What would happen as you emerge out of this? What would be the mindset? What would be your lens on performance? The absolute forcing of an opportunity for you now to reinvent yourself and restart almost everything. For last Tandrup, this was his story. In his 50s, a leading consulting with a major company, born in Denmark, now living in California, we dig into his staggering story. We revisit his emergence when he went through the fires of Santa Rosa a few years ago and literally lost everything. Now, that first episode when we had our initial discussion three years ago was and remains unmissable. It's required listening. But I wanted to have Lars back. Because at that time, he was just a few months out of that harrowing experience, and he set his lens for the path ahead. So how did it go? What actually happened? How has his perspective changed now? What are the lessons now particularly relevant following the year that we've all just lived through? And so this is part two. It's a long part two, but a wonderful episode around key elements that will help you build your arsenal of performance. Fasten your seatbelt, guys, because we're going to have a magical experience with Last Tandrum. But before we do, we're going to bypass word of the week. There ain't no Uda bleeding heck of you this week, but I do want to give a very quick squatty update. Yes, the squatty update this week. Let me ask you this. You love this show? Why don't you join us? Look, for you tri-nerds out there, a packed full racing schedule is coming. And this is the time that we as a coaching team really dig in. We want to help every athlete thrive. And I want to give you a little sneak peek today around what's happening over the coming four weeks or so at Purple Patch. So yes, all of our athletes are training very mentally. They're really starting to dial in focus. They have their training program that is designed specifically for a time-starved life. 
all built with a dynamic mindset. So the ability to retain specificity, even if you have to drop off training when the chaos of life stress flows, or turning up training when capacity allows. And yes, our athletes are starting to move on to their race build so that they are delivered to their key races ready to perform. But being a part of the Purple Patch Squad is so much more than this. It doesn't end with training. When you join Purple Patch Squad, you become a part of a global community that is united by a simple quest, and that's a quest to improve. Just this month, all of the Purple Patch athletes are participating in a challenge, and that challenge is to focus on a key personal supporting habits around one of the pillars of performance. And by holding that challenge together, by improving your sleep, or maybe your self-care, or post-workout fueling, and holding each other to account and giving each other support, good things happen. And on top of it, they're leaning into education. We have next week a live members-only full seminar all around race fueling and hydration with the world-renowned expert Scott Tyndall of Thrive Labs. We're enjoying education setting up race strategies. We're diving into planning sessions with our coaching teams. And all the time, our athletes are improving their form and technique via our interactive live and on-demand video bike sessions. Folks, that is what squad is. That's about what it means to be a part of squad. It's more than just training. Yes, we are going to help you nail your goals. You will achieve. That's almost the, quote, easy part in a way. But more importantly, the quest is to help you thrive in broader life. We are seeking performance in sport, but also life. And we're here to help. And so head to purplepatchfitness.com, head to the squad page to find out more, or just reach out to us at info at purplepatchfitness.com. It's a wonderful time. We're so proud of our community and we have a lot of desire and thirst to help you excel. Now, with that done, that's all we're going to talk about because guys, as I promised, it is one to fasten the seatbelt on. Let's get ready to go. Last tendrip. This is the meat and potatoes. Yes, it is the meat and potatoes, and today a very special guest, a returning guest. We don't let many of them come back to this podcast. Most of them don't want to come back, but today I'm joined by Lars Tandrup. Now, if you haven't heard of Lars, three years ago when he first joined us on this show, he was a new Purple Patch athlete at the time, but the discussion was titled Using an Athletic Mindset to Overcome Trauma. Now, by the time that you listen to today's show, you're going to want to go back and listen to that episode. And the reason that I had asked Lars to join me then was it marked about six months since he had lost his home, very nearly his and his wife's life, all in the Santa Rosa fires. At the time that we recorded, his wife was still recovering at hospital and the experience left them with nothing, literally nothing, no material possessions. But he rebuilt his life, but also, most importantly, his whole approach to life, his athletic journey, and everything else that you might imagine. In fact, the athletic journey had a major impact on his whole perspective and mindset. 
And as a part of this journey, he joined Purple Patch and sought to venture on a personal quest for his own performance and, I might add, help others navigating stress and adversity. Have any of you listeners gone through any adversity over the last 12 months or so? Lars's impact has been large. He's inspired many and... He holds the title of my very favorite introductory line to any Purple Patch podcast that we had. And it was, and then I looked down and my pajamas were on fire. And so you're going to want to go back and listen. I highly recommend it's episode number 23, but I wanted last back. It's now been a few years He's been traveling the journey that he promised himself. And I want to understand what it's been like, what he's learned. The timing is absolutely perfect. And so it's with my great privilege. Lars, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Matt. I am I am honored to be a return guest. Thank you. Oh, good stuff. And it is, uh, it's going to be another one of those. I can feel it. But I think before we dive that into the meat and potatoes, I'd like to bring in broadly. And I think that many people listening to today's show probably haven't heard the original episode. And I'm sure after this, people are going to want to go back. But can you just give us a, a very quick snapshot of when you went, what you went through that night? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, uh, it is early October 2017. And... Um, a, a very regular uh, day. Uh, my wife and I go to bed as we usually do every night and in the middle of the night we get a phone call. Um, it is our neighbor. Um, it's about 1.30 in the morning I think the night between Sunday and Monday um, and she she is saying something that I have a hard time understanding. She is yelling a little bit and and eventually she kind of says where are you guys? Where did you where did you escape to? And I was I was honestly very confused, and told her that we were sleeping in our bedroom as we normally do at one thirty in the morning. <laughs> and um, she starts yelling that there's a big wildfire outside, and 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 that we need to get out of there. So my wife and I get out of bed. Uh, we run out the door and and look out the windows. And I mean, outside was just, it was just uh, your worst nightmare. There was, there was smoke, there was fire, uh, the house was burning on the outside. Um, and, 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 and the best way to describe it is that I went into kind of this weird state where we talked a little bit about on the first podcast, it really didn't seem like I was making decisions. I was just reacting. There was just instinct kicking in. And um, we realized very quickly that the only way out was on foot. Uh, our garage was gone. We could not get to the cars. So we had to run three quarters of a mile through, through fire, through, through wildfire. Everything was burning. There was smoke everywhere. It was hard to breathe. And, and there were a couple of times when we were running out where I was, I was not only 99% sure, I was 100% sure that I was not going to make it out of this alive. Um, um, and, and, and yet I still, I, you know, I still found something hidden inside of me that, that really told me to carry on and to, to, to kind of told me to keep trying. And eventually we made it to safety um, ended up at the hospital, ended up with burn injuries, 
uh, both of us probably the most physical pain I've ever been in, right? We probably all know what it feels like if we burn a little finger on a stove or something like that. Uh, and this this was this was magnified, obviously. So I ended up with with uh, with some severe burn injuries uh, on on both my feet, on my knees, on my shoulder, etc. And after a very long recovery period and a couple of surgeries, um, ended up getting out of the hospital, but also ended up with some mental scars from that experience. Um, and and I was, I, as I told you right before we started this, I haven't really shared this with anybody other than my wife. But I think an important part of the story is that I ended up being diagnosed with PTSD and with depression that I had that I had to deal with in the period uh, after the fires. And that was uh, we did not address that on the last episode. So that that really came in the I'm assuming the months following. Yeah, once you'd gone through the recovery process, and you thought, okay, now here comes the rebuild. Is that when yeah. that really struck you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The immediate focus, probably up until that six seven month uh, uh, time period right after the fires. I think yeah yeah I think it was so focused on the physical recovery. And just, just you know, just relearning how to walk again and dealing with the physical pain. Um, so it was in it was in that period that there was kind of six months plus after the fire, and probably probably a year or maybe a year and a half after that, where where I I just I just had a I had a lot of nightmares about about the experience and 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 trying to go to sleep and every single time I closed my eyes seeing kind of that scenario with the fires and also a lot of that that um, that uh, you know thought process and 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 just and just feeling really busy inside of my head trying to process all of this I think it's uh, I mean f- firstly thank you for sharing that because that's I know that's an incredibly personal thing but it but it I think a lot of listeners immediately will um, uh, not only have great empathy but the world has gone through trauma over the last year and uh, one way or another most of us will never thankfully live what you had to live through but but there is adversity that we face there is trauma that we face and uh, and I think it's, it's just we, we need to wallow in that a little bit that this this wasn't just adversity oh I lost my house and and uh, and, and I got out and I was lucky which almost sounds Hollywood like this was a massive experience that had physical ramifications and recovery thankfully now you're healthy and getting ready to go and do challenge rolls in uh, in september but but the huge lag of mental strain and everything that comes along with it so this is adversity and i think that brings us to today's show in many ways because our focus my focus on questions is the journey from that experience to now and uh, and so without going too deep, I think that maybe a nice way to start <clears throat> is over the last two and a half years or so, if you had to sort of do the punch list uh, without going deep into all of them, because I will go deep into any, anything that you say, but what are the key things that you've been focused on as a part of your performance journey over the last couple of years? Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, it has really been focused on 
there's, there's almost like a little sequence to it, uh, right? I've spent a lot of time and a lot of energy really trying to figure out what my purpose really is. And that's probably a relatively broad topic. I've been, I've been focusing on, on just trying to be just trying to be a better person, uh, right? We talked a little bit about last time about being being the best version of me. I spent a lot of time and energy to kind of really trying to figure out what does that really mean and how do how do I really do that? And then there's, uh, you mentioned adversity. Uh, so there also was a topic around really trying to continue what I had started when we spoke six months after the fire to really try to embrace adversity as an opportunity uh, to learn, to grow, and 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 another topic was around was around negative self talk. Uh, right, I spoke a little bit about the depression and 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 uh, uh, you know dealing with the PTSD. I think we I think we all sometimes struggle with that negative self-talk and that was something that I focused on as well. And then along with what I sort of developed almost as a almost as almost as tools I think there was there's almost like a toolbox concept ar- around focusing on helping others and focusing on what we spoke about last time around gratitude. Um and then I'll say the final, the final aspect, without going too deep, is probably, is probably really honestly struggling a little bit, and trying to figure out what balance really means, right? Because I had this opportunity, because I was stripped of almost everything in my life, I had an opportunity to kind of rebuild my life, and to and to hit reset. So that brought up these questions around, you know, balance and 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 what what is that really, and and. And is that something to strive for or not? Mm-hmm. Well, what you just did there is you built my podcast for me, my, this interview, because it, it enables me just to dig into each one of those. And I think that that's a, a, a wonderful way to, to go through. So I scribbled down, I think, the, the key components here. And it's a natural set of subjects that I think we should anchor our discussion on it. And so the first one that you mentioned there was, what's my purpose and that was the thing that was straight up front you just jumped to it and you know for for me as a coach and the listeners will will know this i believe that having a purpose is the driver for individual athletic success i think it's important for team success company success it's really the lightning rod for us as individuals or as teams to return to when we're met with chaos or adversity when we question ourselves when we're fearful of failure whatever it might be and so purpose is a critical word tell us what your journey of finding your purpose has meant to you Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think i think over the last two and a half years kind of the kind of the first statement or my first reaction to that question is that my story is really not just about me, uh, right? My story, is, my story is bigger than me um, because I think it's applicable to so many situations. And I also have that perspective that, I mean, it's great if I can learn something about what I went through, but if I can, but if I can turn it into something that actually is bigger than me, where others can learn just a tiny little bit from me sharing my experience and how I deal with it, 
then that that sentence right there probably really became my purpose, right? It became, it really truly became trying to help others by sharing my experience and to try to be almost like a little, almost like a little lighthouse uh, for others. Um, and and I try to, and I do that best, I think, by trying to, yeah, by trying to be just a very genuine and very authentic. Uh, version of myself, and then and then share my experience and and share both the struggles, but also the things that I've learned or the tools that I've developed. And and what I found was that as soon as I started, as soon as as soon as I started crystallizing that that was really the purpose. I want to go back to something you said, right? Where purpose can be purpose can be a guide, and that's exactly what I found as well. Is that once I once I once I anchored on on the purpose really being about helping others, it helped me in decision making. It helped me take some calculated risks sometimes, or to put myself out there. And I really think, I really think honestly, it started with the first podcast conversation you and I had. That was that was really the first time that I shared any of this outside of a very very close group of friends. And over the last couple of years, especially when the pandemic started, I used that purpose to then begin to set up some sessions at work where I, where I began to use my story and my experience uh, uh, to talk about my employees. In the beginning, it was like four or five people, but then, but then the audience became larger and larger, and I ended up probably doing 15 or maybe 20 sessions that, that were really centered on talking about health and wellness and then and then adding my story on top of it so the topics really were around mindset they were around endurance training they were around nutrition they were ar- ra- around recovery and they were around strength and core right w- which you know which probably sounds Sounds familiar to you. Right? You ripped me off, Kelly. <laughs> so, he ripped me off. <laughs> he ripped us off. No, that's uh, d- dig in there. Joking aside, because you, you, it, it, I mean, it's amazing there. You've led these sessions. You've gone through this experience. You've got, you got almost everyone you know living a slow, pardon the pun, but a slow burn of an experience of, mm-hmm. of the pandemic, and. You just highlighted aspects that were so very purple patch. And so what were your key lessons to your teammates or em- employees? How did you sort of focus the discussion? Yeah, yeah. the approach I took once I became just, just comfortable enough uh, to kind of put myself out there a little bit and actually set these up, was that I exactly as you said, right? I I I borrowed uh, the purple patch pillars of performance, and then I added my story to it, and and I really and I really focused on kind of some very basic concepts, um, because obviously these sessions were not about you know going going super in depth in any of those, but it was really try right. It was really to try to talk to to the listeners about the various concept and how they play how they really play together and how they impact how we go through the pandemic or any other any other uh, or any other uh, any other type of you know adversity or stress or difficult things and what i found 
when I started sharing it, it felt a little uncomfortable in the beginning, on, uh, 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 course, honestly. Yeah. But but I was so overwhelmed by the few positive reactions I got, right? People reached out to me. By the way, they did that after the first podcast too, right? Where I had people that reached out to me out of the blue and used words like, you're an inspiration or you helped me or you gave me hope or or you were just that light at the end of the tunnel and I needed to hear some of this. And that helped me with a little bit of that. It was almost like a little bit of that imposter syndrome mm-hmm. that I felt, right, where, and, and, and we're probably going to talk a little bit about that negative self-talk too, right? It's so, it's so easy to not, to not do these things because you can easily, right? I can easily convince myself, why, why, why would anybody listen to me? Right, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a star athlete. I'm not the highest performer at work, so it took a little bit, right? It took a little bit of courage, and then I was really reinforced by kind of that that uh, that uh, that positive uh, feedback. And then one other one one final thing that I think is important too is that I learned when I talked about it. I learned to almost qualify the entire conversation by upfront stating, I am not unique. I'm not, I'm not particularly gifted. I'm not particularly skilled. Um, and also the fact that I experienced adversity, that's also not unique. Mm-hmm. The only unique part of what I went through is kind of the exact version of, the, of adversity that I happen to face. But the pandemic is a good example of, you know, we all we know we will all face adversity, whether that's the pandemic, whether it's losing your job, whether it is dealing with cancer, whether it's, uh, you know, losing a loved one or whether it's substance abuse, right? There, uh, adversity is going to hit us at some point in our lives. The difference is just in kind of the shape and the form that it really takes. It, it's, you know, the, the, the pillars, as you talked about, we, we obviously going going back to those pillars driven by mindset I always say and, and in an athletic sense it's when I've been talking to corporate teams executive teams and, and, and do a fair amount of that type of work I say the the way that I express it is you might not be an athlete and, and that's okay although we should all move our body etc but what you can is you what you can do is an apply an athletic mindset it's the building block, it's the framework. And I really like what you said there where they all play together. And I think that if we then go the athletic sense really quickly, that's the the big lesson for athletes, but very tangentially. But you can't think about these ones in a myopic, mutually exclusive way. They create an opera of performance and uh, and they have to synchronize and be a part of a living thing. And then you go back to navigating adversity, etc. So anyway, I, I digress. I, I want to go to the second big subject that you tackled. And, and I guess I'll lead us in here by saying that every high performer that I've ever worked with, the best athletes, if I close my eyes and I think of Chris Lieto, very well known, Tim Reed, world champion, Meredith Kessler, you, you go down the list of these great uh, world-class athletes. I'll even add Jesse Thomas in there, sure. But it's always said that a champion has failed more than anyone else. And their path to greatness is littered 
with growth opportunities from adversity, from challenged. We've already mentioned this quite a bit, as adversity being an opportunity. I think it's a good time for you to talk through your perspective here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that became that became and still is a very, very central part in my continued recovery, I think. And the way that I think about adversity is, is I've really focused on learning and embracing trying to look at adversity as being an opportunity to grow and to learn. Um, as I was doing these talks with people, I started, I started also realizing a little bit that when we talk about physical training and we talk about, you know, we talk about building, building muscles or getting stronger, right? We talk about this concept of we apply stress to the muscle and then there's a recovery phase and, and it actually matters how we kind of, how we recover so that we can have that positive adaptation. And I think the way that I think about adversity is in a very similar way that that the stress of the adversity that 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 we go through, that I went through, followed by some processing or some recovery or some handling after that, that can lead to a positive adaptation of of my mind. And I also think it's important to stress that adversity Adversity is not pleasant, right? I mean, it's not that I, it's not that I, it's not that I'm really weird and like adversity, right? I mean, adversity sucks, but what I what I really try to focus on is to say, okay, okay, it sucks. I'll allow myself to feel like that, but then I will follow that up with, with then kind of trying to work hard on, on figuring out what can I what can I learn from this, right? What what is it that I can get out of it, and I think and I think the right I think the pandemic again is probably an example of that where where I focused very early on on the opportunities that I saw right I've been I've been lucky in the sense that that I still have my job uh, that really was not that impacted by the pandemic I, I am I'm fortunate to be in a career where I can work from home. So I then focused on the positives, and the positives became kind of what I what I really tried to nurture in the beginning to say the things I can get out of this is I don't have to travel for work like I used to. I used to be on the road Monday through Thursday every single week. So the opportunities for me to grow and to learn was that I was suddenly able to support my wife's recovery. I was suddenly able to focus in on just consistently training i was able to sleep better i was because i could sleep in my own bed every night i was able to eat better right so so that was kind of a, right that's a that's a that's a simple example of how i really try to look at it from from an angle of trying to get something out of it and i think actually i think there's i think there's a little bit of a parallel over to over to endurance sports as well, because because I honestly think the reason why I personally like you know long endurance events is that that's almost like a little mini example of of seeking or putting myself in a in a controlled adversity environment where mm -hmm. the stakes are not as high as what I went through with the fire, obviously, but it's still 
it's, I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be an opportunity to learn something about myself. Well, there's uh, in, in an Ironman race for you guys listening that, that have never done it or in, you know, a long distance ultra marathon or whatever it might be. I always have a, uh, a coaching saying that somewhere during this event, you will have to look at yourself in the mirror and like and, and there's no hiding from it. And so it really is controlled adversity. You you you're stripping things down to a very basic component. And I think that's important from a, from an athlete's standpoint. Some athletes hope or dream of just feeling powerful all day. And there's never been a great success in a longer distance endurance event where someone's just felt great all day. They have gone through massive adversity every time. The, the winner of the Hawaii Ironman every year has, has overcome lots of obstacles and problems. And, uh, and so it, that, that really resonates with me. Uh, so, so with this in mind, would you, it, it's great conceptually, but are there any tools or approaches that help you improve your relationship or your response to adversity mm-hmm. and failure? Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's all, it's all anchored in kind of a fundamental belief and I remember we talked about that two and a half years ago around that there's stuff that is outside of my control, right? I can I can very rarely control what happens to me, but what I can control is how I choose to react to it, my, right? My actions and my reactions. So when things go haywire for me in my life, right, then what I really try to go through is a series of steps where where the first step for me is kind of just trying to be aware of how I feel, right? Mm-hmm. How I, right? I allow myself to be upset or to be sad and, and, and then really trying to become aware of how I feel and why I feel that way, right? I'm, I'm just going through kind of a mental, mental process, a little bit of trying to figure out, you know, why, why do I feel like that? Why am I sad or why do I feel anxious? And then try to get to at least a couple of points that are sort of that are sort of the root cause of that, and then and then I try to really ask myself: Is that something I can control or not? Uh, right? Or what what are the variables uh, that are within my control? And and honestly, what I found is that when you really dig into that, there's actually less stuff that is totally within my control than you would think when you just look at it on the surface, right? I mean, it really comes down to my reaction and to my actions. And then some other some other tools, we spoke a little bit about the negative self-talk. Um, it is, it, it is uh, right, it is amazing to me how I can sometimes find myself <laughs> talking to myself in my head um, in a way that I would never talk to anybody else. Right? I can mm-hmm. be I can be so negative, I can be so down on myself, and I can and I can have thoughts about myself that I would that I would never that I would never have about anybody else. So the way, <laughs> this might sound a little bit, you know, foolish, but the way that I the way that I've learned to deal with that or uh, is that I might date myself, but one of my favorite shows when when I grew up was the Muppet Show. 
with you know Kermit the Frog and and I remember those two old guys that were sitting in the balcony. The genius. Yeah, yes. exactly. And they were all right. It was ju- it was always negative, right? Whatever they whatever right. It was always about how the show was terrible and 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 that they should stop the show and. I began slowly to kind of think about my negative self-talk as you know those two guys in the balcony, <laughs> and it and it and it in some way it kind of helped me externalize it a little bit, helped me right, helped me give it a voice, and by doing that, it helped me, it helped me become aware that I that I had a choice on whether I wanted to listen to it or not, right, and it helped me, it helped me most times to really realize that that whatever they're telling me is not me right i don't i don't have to i don't have to listen to it and i can and i can distance myself a little bit from it a couple of other tools that i've used is actually borrowing a little bit again from the athletic side of it is that you and I and, and and a lot of the other purple patch athletes right we talk a lot about in race situations that it's really around troubleshooting. It's around figuring out what actions can I take right now, right? If I, right, do I need calories, right? Do I need fluids? Do I need to slow down? Can I speed up? And we talk about this concept of, you know, you never know how you feel in 10 minutes if you take the right steps. And and I apply that to my life as well, right? Where I try to really remind myself that if I take the right actions, I don't know how I feel about this in an hour or in a day, instead of letting it getting to a point where it's so overwhelming. And I think the final thing. I uh, def- no, just yeah, just yeah, pause yeah. you there, sure. because that sport analogy is is so strong to life. Because if the people that have gone on the you know, half Ironman, Ironman marathon, ultra marathon, whatever it might be you get to a place where you go through a bad patch and let's make it up, you're low on calories and you feel terrible. And at that point, the thing that's in your control is to self-assess and then consume calories. And as you said, you don't know how you're gonna feel in 10 minutes time. But right there, the governor, your brain is a thing that if you, you still ultimately your, your body might start to feel better, but if you don't give the body that chance, the brain or the mind can continue down into a very dark hole where in a racing situation, that's where people give up. They, they, they never allow themselves to dig themselves out of this obstacle. And I think that's your point right at the end, isn't it? Where you're saying, I don't know how I'm gonna feel in an hour or in a day, but it's really important that you give yourself space as well to to grow into that and allow the the body or the mind to actually repair or yeah. feel better. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. And that's exactly, that's exactly the lesson that I think is so applicable to other parts of life too, uh, right? And I, and I actually think one other one other aspect of that is is right as you know i've participated in a couple of of uh, purple patch camps and and i've had an opportunity to kind of to kind of be with some of the purple patch pros over the last three years and one of the one of the key lessons from them is around this right is that everybody even the fastest pros 
they also in race situations struggle with this, right? Yeah. It, uh, I I think I thought five years ago that well well it must be it must be easy to be able to do an Ironman in eight hours, right? And what I've really learned is that is that the pros not only not only do not only do they hurt, but I actually think this concept that we're talking about right now with troubleshooting and focusing on the next be- best action and having that mindset, I actually think that that is what I've learned from them. That is what they are better at than a lot of us, you know, mere mortals, uh, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, by the way, the eight-hour Ironman hurts a lot more than we yeah, hurt. Yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> and that right. they can sit in there for all of those eight hours and right. still keep a clear mind, right. an amazing amount of focus. I mean, every, I, I think, uh, let's, let's just take a moment here. To, to be absolutely world-class in any sport, and, and again, another one of my complete tangents away from this conversation, but I, I think this might be interesting. There is a reason that if a Red Bull extreme BMXer meets a endurance athlete, meets a world-class chess player, meets a darts player, whatever, the, there is always great, great respect because there is this common thread that they all know that they've reached this pinnacle because of this. And, and of course, it goes so much beyond, oh, they're really gifted. And, uh, and I think that's really important for, for folks to understand. Okay, so my next word that you mentioned, and this is a word that in all of my discussions, folks listening to the show will know, I'm not entirely comfortable with balance and so, so you, you you said it in your summary, and uh, and so I can't help but dig in here because I want to I want to come in. I find that many people fall into the trap of thinking as balance has been a utopian state. We can all find it. We're going to live in harmony. It's blissful, and so without digging you into a corner at all, what's your relationship with that word balance? Yeah, yeah. No, well, so what I found is that. I need to be really careful with 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 balance or with the way that I define balance right and and I think what I've learned through the last couple of years is that balance to me makes sense but it has to be on a very very long term horizon I think I think where it becomes where it becomes um where it becomes difficult or where it becomes almost almost uh, almost counter to seeking balance is when we try to apply it on a daily basis or weekly basis or we have this short term focus on i need to live a balanced life right i look at i look at my life as kind of having three major components there's my athletics there's my professional job life and then there's my personal life my family my friends etc and 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 I've and I've learned over the years that that I that I have to allow myself, and I'm actually happier, and I'm actually more in balance if I allow myself to have these swings or be out of balance 
on a sh- on a short term focus, right? There there uh, there will be days and weeks where I have to focus on work because I have a deadline coming up, and then and then the two other parts of my life are going to have to be in the background a little bit. And then there are other there there are other times where I want myself, and I'm and I'm happier if I allow myself to have athletics be the most important part for these couple of days, and then the two other parts are going to have to be in the background a little bit. So so I think so I think it's really about the definition of you know balance on a monthly or a yearly basis, and 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 when I try to look back at you know 2021 or 2020. That's almost how I look at it to say that's really the horizon where I try to evaluate or I try to strive for balance. Um, and that's exactly right. That's exactly why why I like you, where, why I struggle a little bit with it. Mm-hmm. it. It makes perfect sense. It's by, by the way, it is it is why uh, I think what is synonymous with the word balance is perspective where. Uh, in an athletic sense, it's important every couple of weeks, maybe at the end of the week, maybe every at the end of each block that you come up and you look back and what was good, what was not so good. Uh, and, and then it is actually good to people focus on New Year, what they call New Year resolutions. But I think year reviews are really good where you come up and you look at those three institutions, if you want to call it that, and say, OK, well, as I go forward now, what was good? Where was I? Was I placing too much focus over the course of this year? And that's where you can make the longer term planning uh, decisions to to come to more balance. So I want to go to, to back to our initial discussion because you you had lost everything uh, two and a half three years ago, and I, I remember you were very uh, very almost proud at the time that that you you'd replaced it with i think two pairs of underwear a pair of socks <laughs> and a, and one pair of jeans and not much else but um but at the same time you you referred at that time as well to gratitude mm-hmm. and i remember you saying something very important at the time i hope i don't lose this feeling of gratitude that i have and so i guess with with that word gratitude what has happened since yeah yeah, I yeah I remember that very very clearly. I I I remember that 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 word or that feeling came to me came to me so strong, and it came to me almost immediately after the fire. I was uh, two days after the fire incident. I began right. I began to feel this gratitude, and I right and exactly as we talked about last time, um, and I really and I really hoped. Uh, back then, exactly as you said, that that was something that that would stick with me, that I would be able to nurture. Um, and yeah, I'm happy to I'm happy to say that that I've continued down down that path of really just making that an important part of my life, and to again almost almost use it a little bit as a tool when things get difficult. I. I re- I really try to focus on on what I am grateful for or the positives, and that's not an easy process, uh, right? That takes that takes work work and it takes repetition sometimes for me to really right for it to really feel genuine and really feel authentic. But but I almost but I almost feel like if I can just get the process started, 
then that gives me, even if I can find one or two small things that I can anchor that gratitude around, and then, and then almost, almost in the beginning, sometimes it feels like I can almost fake it, right? As long as I can find one or two small kernels or small seeds, I've learned over the last couple of years that I've just, if I just continue to focus on that, and I continue to nurture that gratitude, even though it seems small and sometimes insignificant in the beginning, that then can blossom into something that then has a real positive effect. So I, so I almost feel like I've been able to continue down a journey or a path. And I think when we spoke two and a half years ago, it almost, today it almost feels like I had taken two steps down a path and I wasn't sure where that, were, where that was going to lead me. And I feel like I, right, I'm, I'm actually proud that I've been able to kind of continue down that path and to, uh, I still don't know exactly where that's going to lead me, but, but, but I'm okay with that because it feels right and I'm, and I'm focusing, right, I'm focusing on moving forward, I'm focusing on accelerating, I'm focusing on getting better at this. Yeah, that's great. It's uh, it's a good answer. I, I want to shift down discussion a little bit. I want to talk about sport. Mm-hmm. Two and a half years ago today as well, it's come out very strongly that sport is a central role in your life. It's important to you. And, and I would guess not to be the best, but for all of the lessons and experience that it offers. And so how do you see the role of sport when interacting with broader life? That's a, uh, that is that is an interesting question. Um, as part of as part of these conversations that I've had with with friends or with employees, and with and with other people at work, um, I honestly I honestly think I mean my sh- my my one sentence answer is that is that there really is no difference between between endurance sports and real life. It's all, it's all, it's all connected. Uh, sometimes when I, sometimes when I have conversations about about something that really was supposed to be an athletic conversation or was supposed to be about life or about job challenges, I hear myself having a conversation with somebody, and when you listen to it, you would, you if you didn't know the background, you would think we were talking about something completely different that we were talking about. Athletics, when in reality we're talking about life, right? I think, I think what I have begun to understand, or at least the way that I think about it, is that the lessons that I learn in 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 one aspect of my life, in sports, they are so applicable to other aspects of my life, right? They're almost they're almost melting together. They're almost they're almost like they're almost like one bank of experience or of tools. And I really, and I really, I really don't think about them as being separate anymore. Mm-hmm. And and I think, and I think that led me to think a little bit about, you know, who who I am and what really defines who I am. And it has it has led me probably to 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 think about that a little bit differently because because I actually I actually think about myself first and foremost now as an athlete. Uh, and it has nothing to do exactly like you said. It has nothing to do with being the best. It, uh, it has nothing to do with speed or being super strong, right? To me, to me now, being an athlete, being an athlete really is a mindset. Uh, 
And that is probably what defines me much more than what I happen to do for work or or you know my job or my education, right? I really I really center around that sports and athletic concept in terms of 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 who I really am. Well, parents listening, I think there's something there because you just encapsulated the role of sport for youth as well and how important it can be in development. The lessons, the mindset, the navigating adversity and how applicable it is to broader life. And uh, and it's why our kids should be encouraged to mm-hmm. play sport. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really good. So, so with sport, I, I can't help but go here as I am the leader of Purple Patch. You've been with Purple Patch for three years. You've grown. You mentioned earlier the work that you did with your employees. So what parts of the Purple Patch methodology are coaching, or or, or I guess let me reframe it, the community maybe, I'm not sure. What role has the big blanket of Purple Patch played in the journey over the last couple of years? Mm Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we spoke about me, you know, borrowing, <laughs> borrowing the pillars of performance. Um, but I think, but I think going actually, actually, probably going all the way back to the first podcast conversation you and I had, that I think was really that was that was really where a lot of this started, right? In the lead up to that, and in, and in the conversations you and I had about what happened and how I was trying to deal with it back then what I th- what I think you did was that you, was that you kind of pr- you al- you almost helped me organize my thoughts around that right you almost gave me a little bit of right you you asked me a question and and um, and and I had to figure out how I really felt about that um, so I think the podcast was really the beginning of it. And then I also want to highlight my my participation in Purple Patch camps, my interaction with the Purple Patch community. I almost think of it as a little bit of a a little bit of a s- scaffolding or a little bit of a structure that has helped me take the inputs from others and from Purple Patch and and kind of apply my learnings and apply my thinking to it. And it has given right it has given me the structure to kind of attach my experience to. And and I think it's in the interaction between what I experience and what I'm trying to work on and then and then hearing others talk about what they are dealing with or hearing you talk about some of these concepts. And again sometimes from a very different angle because it be, because it can be from athletics, and I sometimes, in our conversations or in conversations with some of the other athletes, or with the pros, or or some of the other purple patch members, right? I find myself picking up some nuggets that I can then use as another as another vehicle, as another tool that I can that I can use to kind of piece together that piece together that puzzle. So I think over the last over the last two and a half three years, I mean. Purple Patch has become much more than just that at that right the sports side of things. Sure. Sure. That makes purpose. So I've got I've got one more question for you. And the final question is 
you might uh, you might even be hesitant to answer this, but I'm going to answer ask it anyway. For someone that's really struggling right now, that's uh, gone through perhaps there's a massive life change or continued turbulence, what would when someone's in the midst of it, they've just come out of or they're going through this this amazing chaos that, that life can deliver us in many, many forms, as you highlighted earlier with your, your list of examples. What set of advice would you give them? Yeah, the advice that I think I can offer, uh, I mean, ob- obviously, is very informed by what we've already spoken about and and it is and it is very informed by what I by what I experienced and what I went through but like we talked about in the beginning I think so many of those concepts are applicable to to people facing adversity no matter what form or shape it takes and I think I and I think ultimately what really helped me is probably a combination of I used athletics to really focus and anchor on a routine athletics and training for me became something that I could that was a stable part of my life something that I could do every day and something that I really enjoyed and it almost became this little outlet where where Mm -hmm. when I'm working really hard on the bike then there's almost no room for all of these other thoughts and 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 all of these negative things to kind of pop up because then I can focus on that and then I think the concept around gratitude that we talk about, I think is important, right? Remind yourself, try to nurture uh, and really focus on on what you are grateful for. And then the concept around adversity as an opportunity, I think uh, I, I think has been absolutely key to me, right? Really learning. And again, I think it's important to stress that this is not easy. This takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of practice, but really try to think about with all this pressure or with this adversity, how can I turn it into something good? How can I learn from this? And a couple of other things I think is is exactly as I shared in the beginning, right, with the depression and the PTSD, I do think it's important to share what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. You do not You do not have to do this alone. There are always people. You can always find people that are willing to help, and I think it. I and I honestly think it begins with you sharing and with you allowing yourself to be vulnerable. And then the last couple of thoughts are really what really helped me is to focus on doing something for others, right? And I've heard this said said so many times that you know the best thing you can do for yourself is to do something for others. I don't think I really understood what that meant until I started focusing not on me, but how I could use my experience to help others and to support others. And and I've come to terms with the fact that out of the seven listeners that we have listening right <laughs> now, right? If if six of them uh, if six of them think that, that this is really not that useful, but the seventh person gets just a little bit out of that that is you know that is fantastic that is exactly my purpose and then the overarching theme i think over all of that is to is to control what you can control and really try hard not to be a victim 
right? In the sense that you let things happen to you, figure out what you can control, figure out, you know, what actions are the right ones, what the right reactions are, and then try not to be a victim. You know, the good thing is we're going to shoot for the stars because my Auntie Anne will definitely listen. I'll send it to her. My two brothers will if I ask them. <laughs> so that's 10 listeners. And so, that, but there still we might only get one person listening no, but, right, right, <laughs> yeah, right. or taking action yeah. on it. But last, um, thank you so much. It's, uh, it, it, it's the, the round one was awe-inspiring, sort of shook me to... To my, to my bones in many ways and then we emerged out through that conversation I think everybody that's listened today that hasn't listened to episode one with you is uh, is going to want to go back because it's it's such an amazing story but I'm so glad that I asked you back to share your story now and the, the wisdom and the, the vision I think that we can all the timing couldn't have been more perfect as we start to collectively emerge from this last year because we do have opportunity ahead of us. And uh, and I think that your perspective is wonderful and I wish you all the best of luck. And I also want to say thank you so much for being such a, a central part of Purple Patch. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, Matt. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Well, guys, part two didn't disappoint. I want to thank Lars. It's so vulnerable but powerful and uh, such a great discussion. And what I encourage you to do is to go back and listen again. Listen again with the notepad and this time think through through your perspective. Where can you grow? Where can you draw the lessons from Lars's experiences? And you don't have to go through a crazy experience like this to actually develop little bullets, little nuggets of inspiration to help you on your performance journey. Whether you're a parent, an athlete, a CEO, a leader, whatever it is that you're seeking greater performance in, there is absolute gold in that discussion. And so hands together, thank you so much, Lars, and thank you for being a huge part of Purple Patch. And for all of you listeners out there, we really appreciate it. Feel free to share this episode with anyone that you think might gain from it, might learn something from it, might find it helpful. And please stay safe. Look after each other and keep smiling. We'll see you next week. Take care. Hey guys, this is Matt. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. And if you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if we share with your friends and really go the extra mile. Head over to Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform to follow, rate, and review the show. Your support and reviews go a long way to increasing our visibility and, of course, the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive, just like me and you. Don't forget, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Links to the episode resources and all of our programs can be found at purplepatchfitness.com. Thanks much for listening. Take care.